No one is beyond the great love of God, but just how deep is his love? We'll explore the great depths today on Growing Grace. Remission is a cool word. It means to dismiss, to release you from your sins, and God forgets them. I'm so glad that he has amnesia concerning my sins, that he chooses to forget my sins. That's the good news. Jesus died. Jesus rose. People need to repent, and God will forgive. It's that simple. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. Been to the gym lately? You know, every once in a while, you'll see someone attempting to lift a weight that's way too heavy for them. And sometimes we bite off a little more than we can chew, huh? Now, if we try to reach God on our own, in our own strength, we will fail miserably. We simply can't do it. But fortunately, God did the heavy lifting for us, and all we need to do is trust in Him. Today on Grow in Grace, Pastor Ed Ray will encourage us to turn to and trust in the Lord and live in the light of His resurrection. We'll be putting the finishing touches on our study of Luke. So join us in this final chapter as we focus on verses 36 through 53. It says, come and touch, come and see two of these five senses. For a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see. Why didn't he say flesh and blood? He didn't have any. It was all gone. He bled for you and for me. By his blood, our sins are forgiven. It's his blood that cleanses us. And, and we have a body that's driven by blood. You know, we talked about that before. We have this amazing biological system. It's got the Krebs cycle, it's called. And we're cranking out energy by glycogen storage in our liver and glucose in our blood. And he didn't have any. So what's this new body like? Well, this is one of the few places in Scripture that talks about the body that we get. If we surrender our lives to him, we're going to spend eternity in one of these models. This is like the racy model. This is the XL version. He just showed up, walked through a wall. I'd like one of those bodies right now. They could be useful. Mine is, you know, gravity has taken its toll on all of us. This one, he can do all kinds of cool things with, but notice most of all that you can touch it. Now, Luke is emphasizing this because by this time, there was something called the Gnostic heresy that had already started. We know it in our day, it's still going on today, by the Da Vinci Code. If any of you saw that movie, that was really the gospel according to the Gnostics. Gnosticism is, the word means to know. Well, they believed, they were teaching it already, that Jesus was a phantom, that he was just spirit, that he walked on the beach and he didn't leave any footsteps. He's laying all that to rest. He says, first one, look and see with your eyes, Second invitation, touch. Handle me. The Greek word literally means with your fingers. He says, come and put your finger here. Now, John would later write a letter, 1 John 1.1, and he would say, use the same word that Jesus used here. That which was from the beginning was always there, he said. 
from the beginning of time, from before the creation, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, touched of the word of life. John's saying, I touched him. We all did. We wasn't, we stood in line. Yeah, you walked up, <laughs> and they're probably a little rest. And I, the first time I was working in a hospital years ago, that a physician handed me a body part, and he said, take this. I went, no, <laughs> I'm not touching that thing. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. I mean, it's still like really fresh. <laughs> Jesus, those wounds. Now, we say his scars, but these were wounds, three days old. Now, this is a repugnant thought to a lot of people. Number one, just because it's you know, kind of creepy, you know, touching blood and open wounds and things like that, and that would hurt. But some people have trouble with this concept that Jesus is trying to communicate. You touch God. God touches you. That God is personal. That he's not some force, some deistic God who's up in the by and by. Jesus says, come and touch me. Some people are put off by that. Well, he's holy. He's the the one who's high, and we're here. He said, no, come and touch me. I, I read a news report years ago, stuck with me, New Delhi, outside of New Delhi. A bus went off a mountain road and down an embankment and into a river. Just the front of the bus was in the river, and there were two different caste systems in the bus. You know, they had a separation in the back of it were the untouchables, the Dalits, they're called in India, if you've been there. And the lowest caste, the untouchables are just what it says. And the other cast were in the front part of the bus. Well, the bus goes in nose first, and it's teetering there in the river. Passerby comes, sees what's going on, runs down, has a rope, takes it out of his car, ties it to a tree, and throws it into the back of the bus. And all 11 of the Dallas of the untouchables got out. None of the 78 other people would get out of the bus. And the bus finally rocked and teetered and went into the water, and they all drowned. 78 people drowned. Why? Because they wouldn't touch the rope that the untouchables had touched. <laughs> That's crazy in our way of thinking, of course, but it's a picture of why this is an outrageous claim here, that the divine creator, the self-sufficient one, the infinite no finite, no measurement, the one who always has been and always will be. And fill in whatever words work for you. The giver of life says, come and touch me. And I will touch you and I will change you. That's what he's saying. Then, when he had said this, he showed him his hands and feet. And they came up and they did it. They touched the places. Then, verse 41, now they didn't believe for joy, it says. It's too good to be true. <laughs> this can't be true. And they marvel. And so he's going to give them further proof. Got any pizza? <laughs> What's around? What are we eating today? Now, this is one of the reasons that I love Jesus. He's into eating. He's always eating in Scripture. Now, I don't for a minute believe that he has to eat. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai and he was in God's presence, he didn't need a drink for 40 days. That's a miracle. You can't do that. Your body can't go longer than six days without water. So it's a miracle. But when he was there, he was sustained because this is the source of life he was right next to. You remember the story. When he came down, he was glowing like a light bulb. And of course, when you look back that amount of time, 1400 BC, 3400 years ago, they'd never seen anything except the fire. That was the brightest thing except for the sun. 
So Moses' face is glowing. I don't know what all that means besides he was in the presence of the source of all life. So Jesus didn't have to eat. He's doing it for them. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. Mmm, <laughs> that sounds good. I've never had those two together. And he ate it in front of them, verse 43. He took it and ate it in their presence, again, dispelling this idea that he was a ghost, that he was a phantom. He physically took and feed in food and ate it, and they watched. That's his entry. He's saying, are you paying attention? Now that I have your attention, he gives them something to do. Verse 44, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you still, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and of the prophets and of the Psalms concerning me. For 1,400 years before Jesus, men had been writing down prophetic predictions about what the Messiah would be like, and he came and fulfilled every one of them. And you can go and check this out. It's the Bible. It's the Old Testament. It's there. And, you know, until our lifetime, 1948, 1946 originally, but 1948 before we found out for sure that we have documents older than Jesus that are the same Old Testament documents we have. You look at the book of Isaiah today, it's the same book of Isaiah they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls that have been carbon dated to 200 BC. So we know these predictions were there before Jesus came. So he didn't like, okay, I'm going to be born at Bethlehem. Everybody to Bethlehem, we're having a baby. <laughs> it wasn't that kind of a deal at all. All these prophecies are set up in advance. He said, all these things, including the Psalms, Psalm 22, Psalm 110 concerning the Son, Psalm 118 that talked about the cornerstone stumbling over him. And he began to speak to them about these things. Now, this is another one of those Bible studies you want to check out when you get to heaven. I don't know if it's a DVD or some other format, probably. DVD's probably like 8-track today up there, verse 45. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scripture supernaturally. You see, you can't understand the Scriptures if you are still not a believer, it says so over and over again, 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they were spiritually discerned. For years, I thought this book was just a book of fables, and there wasn't a God, and I didn't need him. <laughs> Some of us are a little slower than others, okay? It took a while for me to get here. But this is talking about the ability to understand the book. Not to understand sin, we all know what that is. Not that you can't understand eternal punishment or eternal rewards, but the deeper spiritual things, they only happen when you're connected to God. You see, right now in this room, there's all kinds of interesting sounds that we can't hear. There's all kinds of music, there's visual things flashing through the sky. What are you talking about, Pastor? Radio transmission. Some of you are listening right now on a radio transmitter. Some of you are hearing this message in Spanish and others are hearing it in English just louder because, you know, age. And it's happening to all of us. What? Yeah, that kind of thing. But it's radio transmissions in this room. But think of all the other radio transmissions that thank God we can't hear all at once. Or how about those police and fire and military and all the microwaves? All the energy spectrum, we can hear about 20 hertz to about 20,000 hertz, and the older you get, it drops to 18,000, 16. Some of us are down around the 8,000 hertz only now, and it does hurt. 
But these are received by certain receivers. If you have a TV set, you can see the visual things that are flashing around here. You have a radio, you can hear the radio. So spiritually, we don't have a receiver when we're born. We're spiritually dead. We have a body. We have a soul, emotions, will, intellect. But we don't have a spiritual connection with God. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. But when I became spiritually alive, when I became born again, Jesus told Nicodemus when he came to him late, he said, you must be born again, Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, well, I have to get back to my mom. <laughs> she said, no, <laughs> she's long gone. <laughs> you're an old man. When you're born of water, you're born of the flesh. But when you're born of the spirit, you're born again, anew for eternity. And all of a sudden, you have an interface. You have a receiver. You can communicate with God. You can hear him. You can hear back. So that's what this is talking about. You're listening to Pastor Ed Ray on Growing Grace. Let's finish up our series in Luke now. And we left off in chapter 24 at verse 46. Verse 46. And he said, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ, the Messiah, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. So this is the beginning of what's called the gospel, the good news, the Great Commission. There's a hundred different terms. It's in Matthew 28, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Here in Matthew, it's uh, another time. Jesus obviously taught on it over and over again. When he teaches three times on it, and it was recorded three times in the New Testament, must be important. First of all, why are we here? This is it. We're here because Jesus died and rose the third day as proof to us that we could raise also from the dead. Secondly, verse 47, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance, metanoia. I'm walking one way and I turn around. I do a U-turn. I head the other direction. Not by my own power. I choose it, but God gives me the power to do it. That's repentance. Remission is a cool word. It means to dismiss, to release you from your sins, and God forgets them. I'm so glad that he has amnesia concerning my sins, that he chooses to forget my sins. That's the good news. Jesus died. Jesus rose. People need to repent, and God will forgive. It's that simple. And you and I are supposed to go around all the world and do that. Well, Pastor, I don't have a very exciting testimony. You don't need an exciting one. You just need to be obedient. Well, Pastor, I grew up in the church. You know, I was always kind of there. And finally, I, you know, vacation Bible school, 10 years old. Somebody told me the story the other day. I finally prayed, and that's it. I've been walking with God ever since. You, now, on the other hand, you got a testimony. Yeah, I know. I don't want to talk about mine. <laughs> Living in the fast lane. And we think that the person with the biggest testimony, we used to call them bragamonies, the guy with the worst sins, that must be the one that God wants to use. I don't think so. The majority of people are like you. And they need to see in your life that you understand that you're a sinner, just like they are. Go into all the world and tell people in his name, beginning in Jerusalem. And they did. They waited in Jerusalem. And you will witness, you are a witness of these things. You see these things. Now, for them, they physically got to see them. The rest of us, no, the vast majority 
of us down through the ages for 2,000 years, people have witnessed about it and given up their lives. The circus at Rome. That's why it's so ridiculous when people say, well, you know, it, it was just a hysteria. It was kind of a mob action. Everybody just believed it. Listen, you go into the circus and a line comes going at, you know, you're gonna go, you're right, you're right. We stole the body, we hid it. It's down on the other side of town. If you didn't see him. But when you've seen him in your life, in your heart, in your mind, when you're changed and you're actually here, I was talking to the guys earlier and they all come from kind of the background I did. And it's a miracle that they actually wanna be in church. They were in clubs for years and professional musicians and God said, come on, can you believe we're here? Singing about Jesus? Yeah, I know. It's a miracle. Stay, he said. Behold, verse 49. I send the promise, this is the Holy Spirit of my Father upon you, but tarry. Tarry? Wait. Wait and pray. Katheo is the Greek word, and it means to stop and make a request. Slow down. Ask God. Pray. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The promise of my Father upon you, this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit upon you. Epi is the Greek word. The Holy Spirit was already in them. Well, pastor, I got saved. The Holy Spirit came in me. I'm all fine. No, I want everything God has, all of it. Whatever help, I need it. (laughs) And he said in Luke 17, you have not because you ask not how much more of the Holy Spirit will be given to them that ask. Ask, he'll give you more. Until you're endued with power from on high, Paul wrote in Romans 7, 16, for I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have a desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. We are spiritually weak, every one of us. Listen to it in the Living Bible. I know that I am rotten through and through. (laughs) That's kind of rude. This is Paul the Apostle talking. If he's rotten through and through, I know I'm rather rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned, no matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do what's right. I want it, but I can't. And that's you, and that's me, unless we have the power of God working in us. But when we do have the power of God, when we've waited, Ephesians 3.20, the same guy that wrote Romans, says, now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that he works within us. He gives us the power. He's the source. It's not about us, it's about him. You can't do anything spiritual by yourself. But if you'll let him, you can change the world. And now the entrance was great. Now we have the exit, verse 50. He led them out as far as Bethany. We know about Bethany, the little village where Mary and Martha and Lazarus was raised from the dead. He lifted up his hands. I think that's significant. Again, he's showing them the wounds in his hands or wrists. He showed it to them at Emmaus. And then he had them touch them. And as he leaves, he says, remember, Why? Why are those wounds still there? He's God, so why didn't he just clean them up? He leaves them there as a roadblock to sin for eternity. We're gonna look at him and go, oh my goodness, I did that. That's the thing that will prevent you from going there again. Oh, no, 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 I know what that leads to. Look at his hands. It's the only man-made thing in eternity. And now it came to pass, verse 51, as he blessed them that he parted from them, and was carried up into the heavens, visibly, as they watched. Watch this, he says, and he lifts up. I want you to see this. Last time I just, you know, visible, verse 31. Boom, he was gone. Now he's going slow. Watch, watch, watch. (laughs) And he's waving. What did they do? 
the only thing you should do. They worshiped him. On their face, it means. <laughs> they recognized he was God. They finally got it. This is an act of formal worship. That's the Greek word that's used here. Now they had seen that this is God the Son. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Dr. Luke started in the temple, remember, Zacchaeus, who was the father of John the Baptist, he's in the temple. It opens in chapter 1. In the temple, he prays, and God tells him he's going to have a, a son named John, John the Baptist. And now Dr. Luke closes this out with the temple again. This is where they're waiting. They're waiting in Jerusalem. And remember, Dr. Luke writes Acts, and so if you want to follow this, we're going to go to the Gospel of John. But for extra credit on your heaven chart, I'm just kidding, go and read Acts, and you'll see how this all comes together. Let me close with true story. No one is beyond his great love. The mark in his hands and his feet are a statement to us in all eternity that he loves us. How deep is his love? His love is unbelievably deep. Uh, I came across a story I hadn't seen ever before in my life. Moses Mendelssohn is the guy's name. He's the grandfather of Mendelssohn, the German composer, gifted composer. His father and his grandfather were both mighty men of God, and he was one also. But the grandfather, Moses was born a rather small man and all bent over at birth. He had a large hump on his back. They said he was a handsome man, but that he had this huge hump back. And he loved God and was wanting to be a merchant. And so he went into a merchant's guild in Hamburg. He was admitted to a, a guild where he would actually stay in the owner of the mercantile above his home in those old days when the home was above and the store was down below. And so he moved in. But this store owner, this merchant, had a fantastically beautiful daughter, so they say. And she was famous for her great beauty. And Mendelssohn saw her and fell in love with her the minute he saw her. And he would be there for six months. And as he went through his guild, his training, he fell more and more in love with her. But he was so stuck on her, he couldn't talk. And he was embarrassed about his hump on his back, and she could see that he was embarrassed, so she wouldn't look him in the eye, and she was embarrassed for him, and so they never talked for six months. The last day, he finally decides, I have to at least say goodbye to her. And so he gets up, up enough nerve to go and talk to her. I'll read. Mendelssohn's heart ached for her. After some small talk, he finally got up the courage to speak about the subject that filled his mind. Do you believe that marriages are made in heaven, he asked. Yes, replied the young woman. Do you? Well, of course, Mendelssohn answered. I believe that at the birth of each child, the Lord says, that boy shall marry that girl. But in my case, the Lord also added, but alas, that boy's wife will have a terrible hump. At that moment, I called, oh, Lord, that would be a tragedy for her. Please give me the humped back and let her be beautiful. She later wrote that she was so moved by his words that he won her at that moment. And over the next months, they finally became engaged, married, and had an amazing grandchild who changed the world. Jesus said, look at my hands. Touch them. This is the physical thing I've taken on to display to you my love. This is the greatest story ever told. Either it's the greatest fairy tale ever told or the greatest hope for eternity that any person could have. Thankfully, we know it's true, and truth you can embrace today if you haven't already. Well, with that, we've made it through Luke here on Grow in Grace. 
It's been a wonderful journey with Pastor Ed Ray, and in a moment, I'll tell you what's next. You'll find us online at thepackinghouse.org, and that's a great place to go and hear this program again. That's thepackinghouse.org. Or call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. You know, it takes a team to bring you Grow in Grace, and we look to our listeners to help make all this possible. If you'd like to make a contribution, you can call 844-77-GRACE. And as you do, be sure to request our special offer available for a gift of any amount. It's a book written by Gene Edwards called The Tale of Three Kings. It's based on the biblical figures of David, Saul, and Absalom. And if you've ever experienced pain, loss, or heartache at the hands of other believers, this will be very encouraging to you. There's comfort, healing, and hope to be found in a tale of three kings. And again, we'll send it your way for a gift of any amount. You can reach us at 844-77-GRACE. Now that Luke is behind us, we have the Gospel of John in front of us. We'll begin a new study of John tomorrow, and we hope you can join us for the start of a brand new series on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick deal and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your.